You know, they say that the best politics is good policy, but policy and most corporate interests that we represent are interested in good policy. But politics invades, infects good policy. And so understanding, you had said a few minutes earlier, one of the things that you and your firm do so well is connecting dots. The politics is connecting dots to policy. So when a policy initiative comes out, it is very rarely you know, what it appears or purports to be. There's always a backstory. There's always a reason some legislator put in some bill for somebody that people are supporting or uh, not supporting. And uh, our ability to connect those dots, understand the politics of why this is happening is critical because you can make the best policy arguments in the world on behalf of a client. But if you don't understand the politics of why something's happening, um, you're not going to be successful. Welcome. You are listening to the Hero of the Hour podcast, the show dedicated to empowering you to take financial freedom into your own hands. Through expert interviews with decades of experience, this show will give you not only the tactical strategies of what's working in business, but the appropriate mindsets to master your financial future and build generational wealth. Heroes and entrepreneurs operate with a similar anything is possible mentality. And that is exactly what our show is about. Your host is none other than Mark B. Murphy, CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and best-selling author of three books, all dedicated to helping others plan for generational wealth. He and his team are on a mission to share their knowledge and techniques so that others can enjoy a life of financial security and freedom. Get ready to be inspired to create the life of your dreams. Let's go. In today's episode of the Hero of the Hour podcast, Mark chats with Al Gaburo, strategic advisor and lobbyist for Princeton Public Affairs Group, Inc. Al is a partner at PPAG, NJ's premier government relations firm. Over the past three decades, Al has earned a reputation as one of the state capital's most knowledgeable and respected advocates. His practice centers around healthcare, insurance, transportation, environmental, and economic development issues. His client roster reads like a who's who of business in NJ, including industry-leading corporations in the pharmaceutical, insurance, hospital, maritime, and transportation industries. Al has served as a political strategist and senior advisor to countless campaigns ranging from local to county clerk, sheriff, surrogate, and county commissioner. He has also served as senior advisor on U.S. Congress, U.S. Senate, and gubernatorial campaigns. During the episode, they discuss Al's definition of a hero and the people he's looked up to as heroes in his life, from athletes to statesmen such as Dwight Eisenhower and Winston Churchill. They talk about government work and why businesses that try to succeed without accessing the help of the government often struggle. Al also explains why it's so vital for people to talk to each other, no matter their politica stripe, and try to solve common problems in a bipartisan way that benefits everyone— Join Mark and Al for this fascinating discussion. Enjoy. Well, I'm Mark Murphy. I'm CEO and founder of Northeast Private Client Group, and I'm happy today to have somebody that I've known for you know almost a quarter of a century, uh, one of the principals at Princeton Public Affairs Group, the largest state lobbying firm in the country, not just the largest uh, firm in New Jersey, the largest firm in the country. And uh, 
Al Gabora, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thanks, thanks so much for taking time to to talk to me today. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate uh, being here, and I, I think it's still early enough in the year to be able to say Happy New Year. So great, great to see you as always. And and you're you're, you're dating you're dating ourselves because yeah, I think you and I go back. Uh, you and I go back to the 2006. Kane uh, for U.S. Senate campaign, and we finally got the the sainted senator from Union County to Congress. We, we, fi- we finally got him over the line. <laughs> He's uh, well, that, I'm so ha- I couldn't be job. happier. I couldn't be happier about that. I mean, me too. There's a uh, you know whether you're a Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, if you had more people in Washington like Tom Kane Jr., this country would be in a lot better place than they are right now. Yeah, I, I've always, whenever I've had the the privilege of um, of introducing him, as I know you have many many times. Over the years, I always I always start by saying what is just a, a fact, and that is this is a very good man. This is a very good human, a very good person, and uh, Washington will be better because of his service. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm 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 uh, you and I feel the same way, and you know I think that uh, the fact that it it took a little time to get here is just going to make him even more effective as a legislator, and you know he's he's you know he's ready to make a difference uh, as he always has. And just as as you have, you know, one of the things I call this the hero of the hour podcast, because I just try to bring people on the podcast that are either personal heroes to me or people that are heroes to other people. So I just always ask the question, I go, how do you define a hero? Or, or, you know, what is it when I say hero? What does that mean to you? Wow. So um, at at least to me, uh, when I was young, uh, my, my heroes, like I think a lot of young people, my, my heroes were mostly athletes. My heroes uh, at the time, uh, growing up, were this. This might not go over well on your on your Jersey podcast as I'm sitting here in Jersey, but uh, I've been a lifelong Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, they had a big win last night against the Buccaneers. Uh, but that being said, you know guys like Roger Staubach and Drew Pearson and Tom Landry uh, were early heroes of mine. And what's I think translated through some of that time is a, a guy like Tom Landry, who was the coach of the Cowboys, as you know, forever. Uh, just, I thought even as a young person, uh, there was something about him. There's something about the way he went around about his business. There was something about that. He was a class act. He was always well-dressed. He was well-mannered. He was, you know, sort of everything that was, was right back then uh, with the, uh, with the NFL. And, but as I've gotten older, you know, the the idea of hero is has kind of morphed uh, for me. Again, those early years, my grandfather uh, was a hero to me. He was uh, he was one of uh, eleven children, youngest of eleven children. Family of Italian immigrants was the only one of the eleven to ever go to college. Uh, his 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 parents and his and his brothers put him through Drexel University. I think he graduated around nineteen twenty six or so. But at a time when you know a lot of folks didn't go to college, and um, uh, so that that at a at a young age and and through kind of uh, up into my late teens was just a, a role model that that I wanted to make sure that not only I uh, exemplified but was able to live up to. And he had some very very big shoes uh, to fill, and and uh, actually is is responsible in an interesting way of getting me involved in in politics years after he had passed away. Uh, which is which is an interesting story in itself. We can get to that at some point, but you know, kind of later in life, the more that I've gotten involved in politics, the more I've read, the more I've 
just watch process, uh, you know, folks like Winston Churchill uh, come always forefront to my mind. So definition of someone who wasn't afraid to lead. I think heroes in, in many ways are are folks that lead. There, there's an old saying that that, you know, you know, you can always you can always tell the leader because they they usually have arrows in their back. I mean, and they're 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 running out there just in the forefront, you know, sort of damn the torpedoes and 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 uh wanting to make sure that they get themselves their expressions and their their thoughts out there. And and um being a leader during a difficult time as Churchill was, and quite frankly, you know, facing some of the humiliation that he faced uh when after you know, winning the war with the U.S., you know, essentially being turned out of office uh, by his own folks. I mean, you make a pretty strong case that he and Roosevelt and Eisenhower saved Western civilization as we know it. And uh, the voters, you know, turned him out. It was It's an interesting, uh, I, I think it's one of the things that keeps me most grounded in politics is that, um, you know, a lot of these folks come and go. And uh, in a lot of ways, you're you're as you're as good as your, in Churchill's case, your last war, or your last campaign. So long-winded answer, but that's just a kind of a quick trip through through something. I'll tell you one thing: as a guy who grew up in the late '60s and '70s, following, and our family's been season ticket holders for the Giants, and then my father had tickets since 1958. It used to just frost me that uh, all the kids in New Jersey grew up rooting for the Cowboys because the Giants were so bad. And you go to a Giant game at uh, the old Giant Stadium and there'd be as many Cowboy fans there as yeah. Giant fans. And by the second half, when the Giants were getting their butts kicked, it seemed like they were all Cowboy fans. <laughs> and no well, you know, Mark, there, but there was a reason for that. A lot of people don't remember the reason why in the, in the, in the 70s. And I'm, I'm uh, you know, you and I are uh, about of the same vintage. There was a reason there was a lot of Cowboy fans then. And, and it was pretty simple. When the Giants kind of stunk, and the Jets, you know, kind of stunk. A lot of those games, they were not sold out, so they were blacked out on TV. You couldn't get them on TV. And I think we had like three channels at, at my house, and so we always got the game of the week. And because you didn't get local Jets-Giants, the game of the week was always either Cowboys, Raiders, Dolphins, yeah. um, 49ers, Steelers. Those were kind of the five teams that played every week. They were on TV. And they were the four o'clock game or the Monday night game. Every yeah. Week. yeah. And I've always been a marketing guy. So it was the whole thing, stars on the helmet, America's team stuff, cheerleaders, you know, you kind of throw all that stuff into the mix. And for a young uh, and impressionable kid from New Jersey, that was, that was pretty powerful. A lot of good, a lot of powerful images there. I'm of the impression that entrepreneurism and success is on the chopping block is in danger in this country that I think, you know, when we were kids, we used to grow up idolizing people who worked hard and did things the right way and were successful and made money. Now I have a lot of clients that are apologizing for making money. They're playing defense. They're, they're doing, they're doing things and saying things they don't believe in just not to be canceled or to, to do the things they're doing. What I've noticed, I took a look at the roster of your clients, which, uh, you know, probably took me, uh, you know, uh, you know, hours to go through. But it's 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 a list. When I look at the clients at Princeton Public Affairs Group, I take a look at some of the biggest, most successful companies in the world, all the way down to some very small entrepreneurial companies that are very, very, very successful and everything in between. I think other than people that really use lobbying firms on a regular basis, I think if you if I if we if we got 10 people, very smart business owners on this podcast with us, 
and asked them to what a lobbyist was, we'd probably get 25 answers from the 10 people of what a lobbyist is. What is a lobbyist? What, do you, what does Princeton Public Affairs Group do? What does other lobbying firms do? And why is it so important? So, Mark, you touched on something, I mean, that that, that is the most important to us, and, and that's our clients. I mean, this we're going into February 1st will be the 36th anniversary uh, of the firm. And our uh, senior partner and our wow. founder, uh, Dale Florio, founded this firm 36 years ago. He is uh, still at the helm of the company, works harder than anybody, not only in Trenton, but uh, anybody that I've ever come across uh, every day. And so our clients are the backbone of our success. And to your point, we've been very fortunate over the years to have not only a large book of business, but uh, uh, we have quantity and quality uh, in our client base. We've got, as you said, some of the largest companies in America and in the world and some of small entrepreneurial firms that come to us. Um, and, and the one thing that they all have in common, Mark, is, is we are, you know, a lobbyist when done right is, is really the voice and an advocate for their clients. Uh, we're at the intersection of government and policy and politics and, and all three of those things, you know, kind of, um, if, if you're not used to dealing with uh, one or all three of them, they can whip themselves up in sort of a toxic stew. And as an entrepreneur or even as a, a large uh, corporate uh, concern um, can, can put you behind the eight ball. So the larger corporate clients, you know, it's we, we know what we need to do there. We know what they, they want to advocate for. We know what we need to defend against. The smaller entrepreneurs, you know, um, that takes a little more of a personal relationship to understand where they really want to go. One of the things that's always impressed me about you in the many years we've known each other, we get on calls with some of your clients. And, you know, one of the things that you do, I think a terrific job uh, for your clients is understanding and pinpointing really where they want to go. W what do they want to achieve? Right? So, so once we understand the goal of the client or clients, our jobs to get them there. And our jobs to get them there as quickly and as efficiently and, and with the least amount of uh, what I'll call governmental pain as possible. Uh, that, that really is day in, day out uh, what we do. So it's government work, people that need, need help from government. It's, all levels. It's, at all levels, local, from the very local, local level to yeah, municipal, national. county, regional, state, federal, um, you know, every every place where there are elected and, and appointed officials are where we jump in for our clients. You, you know, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of people that have built successful businesses or are building them that did it almost in spite of government. But government has creeped into our business so deeply that it's almost insane not to have somebody helping you. I, I remember the famous story, I guess this goes back about 30 years, where Bill Gates and Microsoft, when they were the the, the hottest company in the world, still pretty hot, but they were the, the, the deal. And they were getting, the, the government was beating the stuffing out of them. And I read, remember reading an article in the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal that said that on the Fortune 500 list, the companies that were the five companies above them, which were, I think there were only five, and the companies that were five below them, had a, had an average of about two hundred and fifty full time paid lobbyists, and they had four, <laughs> and, yeah, right. and and they were wondering why they weren't getting a fair shake with government, and why these other companies, you know, not only were getting a fair shake with government, they were actually having government grow their business and protect their business. But I mean, I, I think that's a message that unfortunately you wish you could do your business without 
the government getting involved, but it seems almost impossible today. It is. And, and again, as I said earlier, it's it's all levels of government. It's, it's, it's local, it's county, uh, it's state, and it's federal. You know, the larger the, the government and bureaucracies have grown uh, over the years, the more it seems that they invade your uh, everyday life. And, um, you know, while we are no silver bullet to any of that, uh, by any uh, stretch of the imagination, what we do provide is is relationships that go back many, many years with many of these folks uh, that we need to advocate to, an intimate knowledge of the process. A lot of folks in government, business folks get lost because of government process. A lot of folks want to come in, snap their fingers, have something happen. Um, because in, in business, you can make those decisions, especially if you run a smaller business, if you don't have a board of directors and, and you know, folks are used to making those business decisions every day. It's hard to do uh, when the government's in your life, uh, but understanding process and having people involved in process take you through it to explain it to you and then let you know with some level of predictability the way it's going to go. Um, is is important. I, what I find um, most businesses, be them big or small, they're looking for some level of predictability, some level of understanding. You know, even if you're going to deliver you know, bad news uh, to a to a client, you know, better off delivering it quickly because time equals money, and you know, th- then they can get on to what's next, right? And we're usually part of, you know, if there's something that can't happen. Uh, in business, we're usually part of the team that that talks to them about. Well, you, you can't do this, but you know, let's do this or or let's try that. Um, so we we usually come with a, a bag of uh, plan A, B, C, and D. I think it's it sounds so simple, but I think what I would encourage and what we try to do with every process and 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 uh, when we've been able to you know introduce clients to you that you've helped and taken them and propelled them to the next level. It's basically to me just a DOS conversation, you know, yeah. meaning I sit down and you talk to me, what are the three biggest dangers you have in your business? Yep. You know, I sit down with them, what are the three biggest opportunities we have, you know, going into the new year to, to grow your business? And then what are the, maybe the three biggest strengths that your firm has? And I think when you, when you can help that business owner identify the dangers, you can, oper- you can help them identify the opportunities they have and you can opportunity, uh, identify the strengths they have. And where they can have differentiation and competitive advantage, I think that gives a lot of clarity to people. And that's oftentimes when a lobbyist comes in play. Couple questions though: How different is your work from public relations? Well, I mean, you know, there's always a, a portion of of public relations uh, involved uh, in in representing clients. I mean, whether you're in the governor's office or in the state legislature, you know, you are always. So, so to the extent that you're always promoting your client, that that's the public relations part of it. Uh, we, we Princeton Public Affairs Group, are not a public relations firm. Uh, we have an ownership in a public relations firm, one of our sister companies called Princeton Strategic. I'll get the plug in here. Princeton Strategic Communications uh, is a sister company of ours. They are a a very fast growing, uh, fine public relations uh, firm. Uh, marketing, advertising, PR. But to, back to the original question, we do a lot of it just as a matter of course, because if we're bringing a client in, you know, whether the client is sitting there next to us or whether we're going in solo on their behalf, our job is to promote that client or that issue. So there's a, a lot of it goes hand in hand. You know, the, the latest book that I have uh, coming out, it's our third book called The Ultimate Investment. It's about owning your own business. So ultimately what I see is 
that I see this as the, the, the reason to own a business is not just to make money. It's to make other people's lives better, to elevate other people. And I think that one of the things that I've been so appreciative of our work is you've allowed people that you've been part of that think tank, part of that team to help these people elevate their business and by elevating other people at the same time and making, uh, you know, quite frankly, you know, making uh, the state and, and, uh, you know, a a better place to live because you were able to elevate that company. And so, you know, and and here's the thing, Mark, I mean, we, we still, when I say we, I, I, I think I can speak for, for, you know, all the partners here, uh, we still get a kick out of doing that. You know, I mean, we still get a kick out of the, uh, I'll, I'll use a, a famous George W. Bush word, strategery, uh, <laughs> strategery to, to understand what a client needs and how to get them over the goal line or how to get them to the next level. Uh, it's a kick for us and it's a challenge every day. I mean, uh, you know, doing what, what we do here for a living, uh, one is not for the faint of heart because politics is always involved, but two, you know, you gotta you gotta enjoy uh, a fast paced environment that changes every minute, every day. I mean, we we are not uh, pumping out widgets here. You know, we're not on an assembly line cranking stuff out day after day. We have very diverse clients with very diverse needs and very diverse wants. And um, you know, we get up every morning. You know, like Dale uh, Floria says, we kind of put the uniform on and and we get out there and we go to battle. And uh, and and if you and if you don't enjoy that helping people get to to where they can get to then then this is this is the wrong wrong industry for you why is politics important Be- because whether we like it or not it infects and i'll use that word it infects everything else that happens uh politics you know they say that the best politics is good policy but policy and and most corporate interests that we represent are interested in good policy um, but but politics invades, infects good policy. And so understanding, you had said a few minutes earlier, one of the things that, that you and your firm do, do so well is connecting dots. The politics is connecting dots to, to policy. So when a policy initiative comes out, it is very rarely, you know, what it appears or purports to be. There's always a backstory. There's always a reason some legislator put in some bill for somebody that people are supporting or or, or uh, not supporting, and uh, our ability to connect those dots, um, understand the politics of why this is happening, is critical. Because you can make the best policy arguments in the world on behalf of a client, but if you don't understand the politics of why something's happening, um, you're not going to be successful. Do you think a special interest is something that's counterproductive to the people? Or do you think a special interest is just not your interest? You, uh, yeah, it's it's perfect, perfectly said. It, it's um, it's not counterproductive. Uh, everybody's a special interest. Your family is a special is a special interest. Your your pets are a special interest. Your, you know, uh, everything that you come into to contact with every day is a special interest. And the reality is, you know, our constitution thankfully makes it very very clear that the people, and that includes special interests. Uh, have a right to petition their government uh, for grievances or, or in this case, for policy changes. So, you know, special interests kind of get a, kind of get a it's, a, it's almost like a dirty word. But uh, when, you, when you sit about it, when you sit around and think about it, you know, everybody has a special interest. Everybody has something that they hold dear or want to achieve. Um, and, and we just provide a mechanism 
uh, to help them realize what their goals are. Have you noticed that life is getting more and more expensive? From grocery prices to real estate values, everywhere you turn, prices seem to be skyrocketing. Well, Mark has dedicated decades of his career and life to serving entrepreneurs and professionals to build real wealth, and in most cases, multi-generational wealth. The reality is, we all have to navigate turbulent times in this economy. But the difference will be for those that have a roadmap and a customized plan for building wealth. That's why, as a listener to this podcast, we are so excited to share with you first access to Mark's newest book, The Ultimate Investment, a roadmap to grow your business and build multi-generational wealth. When you access this book, you'll discover how to know when you're working a job instead of a business. That hard work isn't all about hours put in. This will make you more productive. Why you need to live with your back against a wall. How to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision. And so much more. Go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book to get access now. Once again, go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. You've got this plethora of work, you know, and helped so many people for so long, both in politics, with your clients, uh, just help companies grow. You have a story or two that you could share, something, a couple of anecdotes, uh, something that uh, you're not under a non-disclosure not to talk about. Uh, maybe, the, <laughs> maybe, the, maybe, the, maybe the people are dead or out of office or uh, yeah, company, I mean, listen, the company I mean, they've retired. Yeah, I mean, I mean, without without kind of, you know, diving into personalities and whatever, I, I will say that, that um, you know, there are many, many stories of particularly around appropriations time. Uh, in Trenton uh, and other places, you know, uh, where the money's getting doled out. You know, being in some of those quote unquote back rooms uh, are interesting experiences over a lot of time. And uh, I, I will tell you that um, this may not be a popular story to some, but it is certainly a true story. And it is uh, some some number of years ago, we were representing uh, a large uh, tobacco company whom we've represented uh, for a very long time. Uh, it's a name that, that everyone knows, and, and they're actually a, a fantastic corporate uh, citizen in many, many ways. But um, we, were, we were fighting back tobacco tax uh, in New Jersey. It had been raised several times in a row, and we were, we were fighting it back. And it, really, the, the only reason the legislature was looking to do it is because I think they ran out of money and they didn't know who else to go after. So they came, they came after, after these folks again. The reason I tell the story is that um, a lot of these legislative hearings, these negotiations go late into the night. And if you look at Congress, for some reason, you know, things don't get done until two o'clock in the morning. And I don't know if that's because nobody's watching or nobody's listening or or that's just the way, you know, legislation works at times. But to make a very long story short, we had we had advocated very strongly on behalf of our client. We believe that we got the issue um, and the tax knocked down or knocked back. Uh, in a good place. And um, so at one point, the legislature at two in the morning was was looking around for some money and looking for somebody else to tax. And uh, at the time, person who was representing cigar interests, so not tobacco companies, but cigar interests, made the fatal mistake at two in the morning of leaving the chamber, was tired, and this person went home. And And when that person was no longer there, that interest or that industry 
uh, no longer had a voice in that room. And guess who got taxed? Cigars. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if it was uh, who, who said it, but someone famous said that, you know, uh, 80% of life or, or 90% of life is showing up. In what we do, so much of this, and it's been a challenge with the pandemic as it has for all industries, but um, showing up, the, the moral of that story is you got to show up. You have to be in the room. You have to be there when decisions are being made. Because if you're not, it's very easy for someone who's making those decisions to uh, bypass you and or your client uh, because you're you're not there. There's there's no excuse for not showing up. What I've always said is, uh, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu. Uh, Great way to and, put it. And so so uh, I and I I think you know there's so many folks that I find so upset about things that get done in Trenton or get done in Washington or get done in their home state. And they're up in arms how it's affected their industry. It's made that made them harder to run their business or harder them to make a living or, you know, things that have affected their children or their, you know, grandchildren. But it doesn't bother them enough at the time to actually get involved. Yeah. So it's it's amazing to me that such a small number of people that oftentimes have ideas that do not better serve the general populace, doesn't serve that family, that community, that business, they show up so that they then control what happens. So I just think politics are important because people should really understand, you know, what they're voting for or not voting for. Why, you know, that there's oftentimes that money that's put aside is not for things, you know, it's always sort of a small group of people that are very loud and boisterous and get the attention. And uh, they they seem to be winning the day too often today in this country. And so I, I just wish we could get people more involved. Well, listen, I mean, you know, an informed citizenry is only good for democracy. Uh, and um uh, and and good for the process. Uh, I can tell you along those lines, you know, in the last two years in New Jersey and across the country, I think one of the things you've seen is just that when it comes to these local school boards. And, um, you know, there there have been some issues in New Jersey over the last year or two that have been raised about what teachers are teaching in classrooms. And parents um, that in the last couple of years have gotten a wind of, wind of some of these things have showed up in mass to local school board meetings uh, and really kind of shake the foundation of our educational uh, system in, in a way, regardless of, of where you come down on some of these social issues is immaterial. But what's important is that parents realized and, and came out in mass that, hey, you know, they have a role here. They have a role in what their, you know, son or daughter is being taught in school. And some of this stuff is better off at the kitchen table uh, at night uh, between parents uh, and kids than, than, you know, five, six, eight-year-olds in school. I only raise that because that is the perfect grassroots example of regular folks, you know, understanding an issue, not being happy about it, and coming out and doing something about it. And I will tell you that there are a number of members of the legislature and of Congress and other places who are only where they are in elected office because of issues like that because they got involved locally, had a problem, had an issue, jumped in, you know, got involved, and then were able to rise, you know, through the political system. So, you know, when we talk to, you know, one of the things we do a lot of is talk to students uh, in, in uh, different schools and we're invited in to talk about government affairs or, or government programs. And, and we tell them all the time, regardless of what your political affiliation is. I mean, I, I, I've been doing this for 30 years now in Trenton. I really don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, 
and unaffiliated and independent, get involved. You have a voice. Get involved in the process. Uh, it can be very frustrating, but at the same time, can be very rewarding. You know, you uh, it almost reminds me that I think the reason why our why our good friend uh, Chris Christie got reelected by the that that majority in this state as a Republican was because it became he made it very clear to me and to every other voter that the teachers unions represented teachers, which they should. But Chris Christie was the first advocate for students. He was the first he was the first governor that represented children. And I think that because and, and now a guy like Glenn Youngkin had that big upset race in Virginia yep, because it was point. the first time that people that he was there where he represented parents. So everybody had a stake in the game. The other thing that, that Chris Christie just did very well and, and knew intuitively is, is Chris, more than almost any politician I can think of, really understood people and understood, you know, what motivated people and what what their wants and needs were and was able to articulate that. Uh, in a way that, you know, I mean, listen, as a Republican in, in 2013, for him to win was 60% landslide vote in the state of New Jersey. You know, I mean, that that hadn't happened since we, we started this this chat talking about our good friend Tom Kane Jr. I mean, that, that hadn't happened since Tom Kane Sr. Uh, when he was governor. So Chris just intuitively understood and understands people and was able to articulate the way they were feeling and wanted to give power back to individual people. And I think that's what you're seeing, particularly in the education space in New Jersey and across the country. Who's who's your favorite legislature of all time? Who's the who's the person? Why? Or governor, senator, congressman? Who wh- uh, you know, it's it's it, there's so many of them that kind of the kind of the kind of come come through here. The the two I'll I'll say one in New Jersey and one uh one nationally and this is not aspirational. This is this would be two people that that I've had a chance to to know uh, a little bit. Uh, so, from New Jersey, there was a, a great guy uh, from Somerset County where I grew up uh, named Pete Biondi, mm-hmm. who was a freeholder in Somerset County, uh, was a member of the Assembly, probably for a decade or so. Uh, passed away a number of years ago. Um, was was sixty nine. Was too young. But uh, passed away, but but was a real mentor to me, not only helping me to come up through uh, the ranks of politics, but he was just a street smart guy. He understood people. Like I just said about Chris Christie, he understood people. Um, he could. I, I always would say about Pete that he was playing checkers while everybody else was playing, or he was playing chess while everyone else was playing checkers. He just had a very facile mind and could could do that. You know, uh, point to point understanding how stuff got done. He got stuff done. Uh, so that that would be New Jersey. Um, and, and nationally, uh, there was a guy that you'll remember uh, not too long ago who was the Speaker of the House in D.C. named John Boehner. Yeah. Um, who was a, a um, you know, this is like a dirty word now, uh, but I, I happen to be one uh, proudly, so I'll say it, but was a moderate Republican who understood in a very contentious world how to get things done. And I've had the opportunity to spend a little time uh, in Florida with the former speaker at a number of events over a number of years, and to listen to him regale stories of how they actually got stuff done in DC. You know, you remember when he was when he was speaker, that was sort of the height of this thing that they called the Tea Party that is now, I guess, the, the Freedom Caucus. And he had to deal with a lot of that because there were a lot of folks there that really weren't interested in governing 
they were interested in in making a statement or you know like you used to say burn the house down the hell with policy the hell with this we just want to make a statement it's just not how you get things done in government so uh when i when you ask me about people that i that i you know admire those are the two to come to mind but it's also anybody that works within the system works across partisan lines to actually get stuff done for folks that's what they send you there to do whether it's your local city hall your county administration building the state legislature or us congress folks send you there to get something done they don't send you there to be against everything in the world they want you to be for something and and i think that's important to keep in mind you know you've kept you know kind of adding to that you know you have been involved on the winning side and the losing side of political campaigns for 30 years yep so if winning's it, a lot better than losing <laughs> amen to that we uh it's been it's uh, ooh, uh absolutely i i actually remember being in a couple of campaigns with you where you know the polls were closed uh we we thought we were going to lose and uh everyone all, all the powers that be are walking around saying this was the worst run campaign in the history of new jersey and then the, the returns came in and we were winning and they go this was the best run campaign in the history of new jersey happens, right? in about 45 minutes it went from the worst to to the best yeah if you were going to give generic advice or specific advice to the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, what would you tell them that they should do? What would you, what would the advice? We because we, we, people ask you, candidates and, par, and, and yeah. parties ask you all the time, what, what should they be doing well, that they're listen, not doing? Listen, listen, listen to the voters. Abraham Lincoln, and I'm gonna I'm gonna misquote him, so I'm not even gonna try to quote him. But essentially, what what Lincoln always said and used to say was you, you listen to the you listen to the pulse of the people you listen to the voters um they usually get it right and um we have great swings in our politics from left to right but but the the people of this country for our entire existence when we've gone too far left you know the folks have always found a way to kind of bring us back towards center when we've gone too far right the folks have found a way to get us back towards center so you know my advice to anybody, particularly in the state legislature that gets elected, because we we do obviously get involved in a lot of those campaigns. You know, if it's a Republican, I tell them, you know, do a lot of listening when you when you get down here. You know, you didn't get elected because you're the you're the brightest guy or gal in the world. You got elected to represent your constituents, but come down here and listen. Listen to what people are talking about, listen to what moves people. And if you're a Republican, I tell people when you get down here, make friends on the Democratic side. If you're a Democrat and you come down here, I tell them make friends on the Republican side, because the one thing in our politics that we can always count on is change. Republicans are in charge. Democrats are in charge. And it's it's when that swing happens, having a personal relationship with some, it's a lot harder to oppose someone or to make it personal, which is part of where our politics, I think, has gone off the rails. This has all become very personal. It's hard to to be personal against someone if you know that person if you know their family if you know they've got three kids if you know that you know one kid's going to college i mean the, the, the we can't lose lose we're in a relationship business government is a relationship business and when local or state or you know uh, national elected officials lose sight of that you know they kind of get in this bubble that they talk about and um echo chambers are, are no good for governing that is amazing advice because you're probably right. I, I think that you're you're seeing the lack of civility there, clearly in Washington, also in Trenton and Albany and every place else. We Sacramento, places where we know folks. 
they run into town to vote and raise some money and then they go home and they're, they're not uh they're, they're not really working on big problems together they're just in the in the echo chamber Exactly. You know, you know, one of one of the things I'll go back to this, it, it, uh, you know, again, we'll go back to our, our our great mutual friend, now Congressman Tom Kane. One of the first things he did when he got elected to Congress uh, is is he's joined uh, the Problem Solvers Caucus that I know you're very mm. familiar with. And the Problem Solvers Caucus is Republicans and Democrats um, who come together across the aisle and try to tackle large problems in a bipartisan manner. Because the reality is, you know, if, if you would take a poll, if you take a generic Democrat and a generic Republican and, and you took a poll of, of 10 things, you know, I, I guarantee that there's common ground on at least seven of them. There, there just are. And if people aren't talking to each other, um, you can never you can never reach common ground if you just go back to your own corner. And, you know, your your whole existence is some of what we've seen in the speakers battle in D.C. over the last couple of weeks has been more about fundraising on tweets and painting people out to be to be bad folks. And uh, I just don't think that's how you get anything done. I just say a couple of things. One is I, I we talk about Abraham Lincoln. I, I was over the weekend. I was reading something on social media and they got, gave a, a great Abraham Lincoln quote. And it said, Abraham Lincoln said, you can't trust everything you read on the Internet. So that was his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there, 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 there you have it. Right. There you yeah, have it. The, the other thing that I also think is that we've got to get back to a place where we, we go back to the public servant. And I don't mean just people running for Congress or for governor or for, you know, for president, but the people that want to get on the township committee and the people that want to be committeemen and the people that want to, that good people that are there for the purpose of serving not because their brother-in-law needs a paving contract or because they want a judgeship or because you know they want to you know, jam down some some uh, horrible idea into the schools or something I, I just think that you know ultimately i think we've gotten away because it's becoming so distasteful that we and the cancel culture that yeah. somehow that somehow these people have to be honored for their service and you know that that it's like it's like the thankless job like it's almost like when i see a a referee in a youth basketball game or an umpire in a youth basketball game. I mean, these parents are screaming at the kid because he, because the guy who's a, you know, a plumber or a lawyer during the week, Mr. Missed, missed a traveling call. Right. And they're, they're, they're like ready to attack the guy in the parking lot. And I'm thinking to myself, the guy probably made 10 bucks for, for the game. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. That's exactly and gave, right. gave up his Saturday and you get these people that trying to do their best to make their town or community better. And you got a bunch of people on the internet or some wing nuts showing up at meetings threatening their family, picketing outside their homes, because all they want to do is make sure that they they serve their time. And I, I think that, you know, ultimately that where where the where the lack of leadership in this country goes is that when something there's no right way to do the wrong thing. And so if you're a Democrat and you see somebody unfairly going after somebody, let's say on a township committee in your town, everybody's got to stand up and do the right thing not use it for political purpose. If you're a Republican, it's the same thing. Is that that ultimately that we're people first, we're serving the community first. And and ultimately I think that's where you start to build that you, you want people, smart people to get involved. You want people to make a difference in their town because it's all starts at the local level. It does. It does. I mean, look, the local levels where the rubber truly hits the road and I can tell you that that for years, you know, wearing the different hats that I've that I've worn in campaigns 
a, a lot of time over the years, I've I've been part of teams that that look to recruit people to run for uh, local offices, county offices, statewide offices. And I got to tell you, um, you know, in the last five to 10 years, it, it has become so distasteful to your point that, you know, good, successful people, otherwise successful in business or in life or, or both, you know, I mean, you, you try to recruit them because you think that they're honorable, they want to do the right thing, they want to help their community. And they kind of look at you like, why would I want to get involved in that? Why do, why do I want to give up, you know, uh, two Tuesday nights a month to, to go to a meeting where people are going to come out? And they're gonna they're gonna berate me. They're gonna see me in a in a in a restaurant, and they're gonna yeah. I mean, it just it's it's um, uh, politics. Like I said, has always been uh, uh, not for the faint of heart, but it, but it's t- taken such a turn over the last decade that uh, I'm just hopeful that you know you kind of reach bottom and you get to, to a point where like minded people say you know enough of this stuff. And so the answer is not just not just to give up or to or to right or again go back to churchill right never get it never give in never 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 right that, that was his famous famous quote you know you got to keep at it and and attracting good people and good young people to understand that you can make a real difference in politics either on the elected side or in doing what, what we do here in trenton helping communities and helping companies and helping entrepreneurs you know, get to a level of success that that they might not have otherwise. Well, Al, you know, one of the things I did not do was read your resume, which is uh, it would take up 45 minutes just to talk about all the stuff you've accomplished. But all I want to tell you is that I want to just tell people that your firm is nonpartisan. You've got Republicans, you've got Democrats, you've got independents, you've got everybody. You're just out there trying to help people. And one of the things that I'm passionate about is I believe your firm is making New Jersey a better place not only to raise children in, but to grow, to, but just to form a business in, to retire in. What what gets me upset is when I see on the front front lawn the graduation sign and the for sale sign go up the same day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and all I know is you're working very hard to make New Jersey a destination place, and uh, and you're helping. You've just helped so many people just in the three decades, two or three decades we've worked together. And I just want to thank you for spending time with 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 me today, and and just appreciate you and appreciate your friendship. Well, listen, Mark, it's been my pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me on, and I look forward to seeing you down the road. You and I, uh, we're not done yet. You and I have a lot more campaigns uh, in us now and into the future. So, and, and well. I, thank you very much. And I encourage everybody to to, to Google Princeton Public Affairs Group uh, and to see the kind of work and the things they've done because uh, they're, they're, they're one of the good guys. And uh, Al, thanks again. Thanks for everything. Appreciate it, Mark. Be well. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Hero of the Hour podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share the podcast episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode and more at www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to check out the other great books and resources on the website while you're there. Once again, It's www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. All links can be found in the description below. We look forward to serving you on the next episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. 
guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS or Guardian, and opinions stated are their own. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, 631-589-5400. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial Representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Northeast Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0B36048. Arkansas Insurance License Number 741545. Expiration and submission numbers located in the show notes.